0: Of a series on the book of James, which is a book in the New Testament where James, the younger brother of Jesus, is writing to Christian believers all around the world who are facing trials and struggles in their life. He's writing to encourage, he's writing to teach, he's writing to show us how we can best live out our faith in real life. That faith isn't meant to just be abstract, it's not just something in a book, it's something that makes a difference in our everyday life. And so when we face pressure points, when we face trials and struggles, like many of us are experiencing in the season we're in, what does it look like to live out our faith, to claim the promises of God? And so that's what we're looking at in this series. And I know we've got hundreds of people meeting in small groups all throughout the week, studying the word together, and we're excited about that. So today we're going to look at the second half of James chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, you might be able to turn it on if it's on your phone or your tablet, or if you brought a paper copy. Remember, the book of James is towards the end of the New Testament. It comes right after the book of Hebrews. It's before the Peters and Johns, Jude Revelation. So kind of towards the end. And again, we're going to look at James chapter 2. We're going to start with verse 14. And I'd like to read our passage for you before we get started. James says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, But don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now, in this short passage, James makes some very bold statements that stand out to me, they probably stand out to you. James says, faith without works is useless. And not only that, faith without works is dead. And then he finishes it up by saying, faith without works doesn't save. Now, for some of you, these statements are striking. They're a red flag because they sound contrary to everything we preach here Sunday after Sunday. Some of you might even remember the series we did on Galatians a number of months ago where we talked about this clear equation that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Paul even says in Romans 3.28, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are offered a free gift of grace. And that free gift of grace comes with no strings attached. You don't have to clean yourself up first. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to show anything to receive it. That is the essence of the gospel. And so now, doesn't it sound like James is changing the equation? What's going on? Now, it might seem like Paul and James are disagreeing here, but actually they aren't. Because what's at stake here is the nature of our faith. Faith inevitably changes a person's life. Real faith affects what we do, not just what we say, not just what we feel. It's faith in Jesus and what he's done that brings us salvation, but then it's obedience that demonstrates that our faith is genuine. And so the big idea that James wants to teach us this morning, he wants us to take away from this place, is this. The faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit of our lives. The faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit of our lives. What we ultimately place our faith in shines through in how we live our lives. It becomes visible to the people around us. Now, I think this is especially true when we face struggles and trials and pressure points in our life. In those moments, how we live, how we interact with others shows where we're placing our faith. When we put our faith in things that are not constant and stable, like our bank account, or even like people in this world, in those moments we become unsteady and less confident. But when our faith is in God, when he is our strong foundation, it makes a difference in how we live our life, especially in those difficult moments. The faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit of our lives. Now, when it comes to what we believe, I think there's a big difference between what we say we believe sometimes and what we actually believe. And to really illustrate what we believe, we look at our actions, right? It's one thing to say the right thing. It's another to actually live it out. For instance, we've seen celebrities before who endorse some budget car, and then there's a picture taken of them driving the most expensive luxury car. Maybe a politician who speaks about the value of public education, but then we find out their kids are in a very expensive private school. If you were to ask me, I would say that marriage should be an equal partnership. I believe a husband and wife should serve equally. There should be an equal division of labor around the home. But in reality, I find myself doing way more than my fair share of serving around the house. And oftentimes, I rob Lexi of her opportunity to serve. You don't buy it, do you? You're a very smart crowd. What we claim to believe... What we say we believe is not always what we live out in our life. If we truly want to see what someone believes, we need to look at their deeds. And so again, we don't always live out what we say we believe, but we always believe what we live out. And you see, that's James's main concern in our passage today. Look at verse 14. He says, what good is it? Dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions, can that kind of faith save anyone? It's super easy to claim to have faith, it doesn't take really any sacrifice to say that you are a Christian. In fact, surveys even done recently still say over two-thirds of Americans claim to be Christian. It's easy to check the box. It's easy to email a survey back. It's easy to like a post on Facebook Faith is easily claimed, but James says that is not necessarily genuine faith. James says that it is no good to claim faith without any fruit to give that faith credibility. However easy it is, no matter how good it might make you feel, no matter what doors it might open for you, James says just claiming to have faith with nothing to show for it is useless. In fact, he says it is more than useless. It cannot save. Now, that should make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. And not because of how it applies to others, but because of how it applies to us personally. When it comes to our own lives, is our faith more than words? Is our faith active? Is it visible? To other people. Well, James goes on to give us some examples to help understand this better. He gives us two examples of counterfeit faith and then two examples of genuine faith. So, first, James presents a scenario, one that we've probably encountered many times in our life. There's a person in need. Specifically, someone who needs food and clothing. And you have to decide how to respond. And James says, well, you respond to them goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. You know, basically, God loves you, so do I. I'll be praying for you. Keep your chin up. I hope it all works out. And James says, if you respond like that, if you don't give them the food and the clothing that they need, what good does that do? Does that show that you believe what you claim to believe? He says, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, here's the difficult thing. Probably every one of us has been in this situation before. Someone's come up to you on the street. You're walking downtown Minneapolis. Someone has a need, and you have to choose how to respond. And maybe if you're like me, more often than not, you can remember the times that you have chosen not to respond. And maybe, like me, you have some excuses ready to go, at least in your head. You're thinking, well, why don't you go find a job? Or I'm not convinced you're going to spend my money how I want you to spend it. And James says, if there is a practical need in front of us, and we choose not to help, there's no amount of carefully chosen words and excuses that make up for it. He says, what good is it? As we all know, the truth is, our actions speak louder than our words. Words without any actions to back them up are just empty. They're useless. They mean nothing. You know, we might say the right thing, but then our actions scream louder. I don't believe what I just said. Church, God is calling us to more than a sentimental greeting card type of faith with all the right words. When we encounter people in need, and we're going to encounter them every day. I mean, think about today, all the people in need around us, people who lack food, people who can't come up with enough money for rent. But not only that, there is a poverty of relationships and meaning and purpose and faith. How are we going to live out what we believe when we encounter people in need? Do we really believe what Jesus says about helping others? Is he really the Lord of our life? And if so, do our actions match those beliefs? Again, we don't always live out what we say we believe, but we always believe what we live out. I was reading an article this week that the United States athletic apparel market will grow to $100 billion in the next five years. But here's the thing. They said many of the workout outfits, stretchy pants, quick-dry shirts will never, ever see the inside of a gym. Yoga apparel has grown 45% in the last couple of years, but participation has only grown 5%. Outdoor retailers are designing flannels and boots and backpacks for people who will never go hiking or camping. There are hundreds of dollars spent on running pants and shorts and shoes from people who never, ever intend to go running. See, people just love the look. They don't love the workout and the effort it takes. In much the same way, for many people, Christianity is a great outfit to put on. And they can dress it up with all the right words. But they have no intention of actually putting it into practice. Maybe, honestly, that's your struggle today. James says, the faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit of our lives Well, next, James imagines a conversation he has with a person who comes up to disagree with him and says, you know, you have your faith and I have my deeds. I mean, we're just going to kind of do our own thing. This isn't a one-size-fits-all. We're all unique. We're all different. There's lots of different kinds of Christians. You know, some people are intellectuals. They just love to read theology and doctrine, and it's all about deep thinking And then there are the practical types, people who love to do instead of thinking too deeply. And then there's the experiential folks who love to sit around in a circle and feel holy together. So this person says, you've got your faith, I've got my deeds. Let's not make this so rigid. But again, James isn't having it at all. And his response is pretty blunt. He says, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I Will show you my faith by my good deeds. Key word there is to show. There's genuine faith and there's counterfeit faith. Genuine faith is expressed by how we live. Faith can be seen in our actions and there's no amount of intellect or emotions or experience that can make up for that truth. Now you might remember a story that happened in the gospel of Mark chapter two where Jesus is in a home in Capernaum and it is jam-packed with people. It is so full that no one else can even come in the door yet some friends have brought a man to see Jesus. Their friend is paralyzed, and they want him to be healed. But when they can't get in the door, they come up with a creative solution. They get up on the roof of the home, and they decide, we're going to lower this guy down right in front of Jesus. And so you can imagine what has to happen. They're up on this dirt, mud roof, and they're chiseling away to get a big enough hole where they can lower their friend down on a stretcher. Now imagine being inside, listening to Jesus teach, and suddenly the roof starts falling in. But once they get through with their plan and they lower their friend down, look at Jesus' response in verse 5. It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. What I want you to notice there is what Jesus saw. It doesn't say that he saw the ropes or the stretcher. He didn't see the dust or the mud or all of the things raining down from the ceiling. No, it specifically tells us he saw their faith. Faith is not an abstract, invisible thing. True, genuine faith is visible. It's able to be seen. But then James goes even a step further in verse 19. He says, you believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. Now this is the central tenet of Judaism. And it's a central tenet of Christianity that there is one God. And Jesus says, it's good if you believe that. I mean, that's core. But the demons believe that. Even the demons believe in God. They have great theology. There are no atheists in the demonic realm. And so just affirming the right things about God is not enough. He says, even the demons shudder. Because of who God is. How about you? Do you understand who God is? Do you understand his power and holiness? What difference does your faith in a holy God make in your life? The faith in your heart is evident in the fruit of your life. See, James is challenging us, he's compelling us to not just have a sentimental, lifeless, or intellectual faith because ultimately that kind of faith is useless, it is dead, and it does not save, he says. Well, then in verses 21 to 26 James gives us two illustrations of genuine faith to model our lives after. The first example in verse 21 is Father Abraham. He had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those of you who grew up in church are right with me. If you didn't grow up in church, you're not missing much. But Abraham, a core figure in the Old Testament, Genesis 15 says, his faith was reckoned to him or credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. He believed and he obeyed God. And God made a covenant with him that he would be the father of a great nation, that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky, and that he would have a son. And so God followed through on that promise, and he had a son named Isaac. And then one day, God said, You know what? Let's go sacrifice that son, that gift that I've given to you. And what does Abraham do? Instead of running the opposite direction, he puts Isaac on a donkey and he climbs up the hill. And at one point, Isaac starts to wonder, Well, where's the sacrifice? Where's the animal that we're going to use? And Abraham says, Don't worry. God's going to provide. Imagine the fear. Imagine the trust, though, that Abraham had. And the Bible says that Abraham bound Isaac and put him on an altar, prepared him to be a sacrifice. Can you imagine that situation if it was your child? And at the very last moment, God stepped in and said, don't go any further. Abraham trusted God. Abraham had faith. How do we know? Because he went up the hill. Because he was obedient. Now Abraham, of course, was far from perfect. He was an idolater. He tried to give his wife away to save himself at one point. But despite his questionable past, Abraham trusted and obeyed and demonstrated his genuine faith. And so James says, you see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. That faith that was credited to him as righteousness years before produced radical obedience. And so James goes on to say, so you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. And as we talked about before, this is not James contradicting Paul. No, what he's doing is he is talking about the natural response that we should have to the gospel. When we understand the power and the gift of the gospel, it compels us to obey, to love God and to love other people, not somehow to earn anything, but as a grateful response to the gift we've been given, the gospel inspires us to live out our faith by loving God and loving others. Well, finally, James gives us one more illustration of genuine faith, and it's a very unlikely person. He uses Rahab from the Old Testament. If you're not familiar with Rahab, she was a prostitute. Now, no girl dreams of growing up to be a prostitute, right? Rahab lived in the city of Jericho, and every day she was used and abused and discarded. Well, Joshua was leading the Israelites into the promised land, and as they came to the outskirts of Jericho, he sent out a group of spies to scout out the city. Rahab encountered these spies out on the streets. Now, these are enemies of her people, but they are devo- they're devoted Representatives to God. She, like all the people in Jericho, had heard about God, but Rahab went a f- step further and decided to put her faith and her trust in God. And because of that, she decided to help these spies. She took a huge risk and she hid them in her own house. And because of this step of faith lived out, God gave her great grace and mercy and gave her a fresh new beginning in her life. Now imagine how much faith Rahab had to have. I mean, she's bringing strange guys into her house. What are they, what are they gonna do to her? She tells them to hide and then says, remember me when God gives you the city. And because of her faith lived out, because of her faith in action, Rahab is a key part of Jesus' family tree. James says, faith without works is useless. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works doesn't save. Real faith is lived out. Real faith is alive and active. Genuine faith leads to an ongoing love for God and love For others, the faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit of our lives. Now, as we close out our time together, the wrong question to be asking yourself now is Have I done enough? Have I hit the minimum requirement? I mean, would you ever ask that in your marriage? Would you ever ask that in a job interview? There's no checklist. It's not about your performance. James isn't adding new hoops to jump through, like, well, you have to read this many books of the Bible in this many days, or, you know, follow the Ten Commandments better. I mean, honestly, we're all O for 10, right? The right question to ask today is, am I fully trusting God with my life? Maybe more targeted where am I focusing my faith today? Because when you focus your faith on God, you'll naturally want to do what he says. When you focus your faith on things of this world, you'll find them shaky and unstable. But when you focus your faith on God, you'll find a solid foundation, you'll find hope for daily living, And you'll naturally want to do what he says to do. Now remember, God is not looking for perfection. He's looking for progress. As we trust God and we grow in our love for him, we're going to naturally grow in our love for others. And if you want to take an inventory of how you are doing spiritually, that's a great place to start. Am I more or less loving towards other people? Maybe as more of a challenge, think of the person that you are most naturally wired up to disagree with or look down upon. Probably these days it's something in politics, but imagine that person. Am I growing more or less loving towards that person? Because remember, the faith in our hearts is evident in the fruit. Of our lives. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the gift of your word which challenges us, which comes up against the way that we naturally want to live our life. God, we're thankful for this challenging word today, this reminder that our faith is not just words, it's not just a list of bullet points. But instead, it's something that should make a difference in every part of our life. And so God, help the faith in our hearts be evident in the fruit of our lives. Help us to love you and to love others more and more each day. God, help us to grow in genuine faith that's visible to others. Let every person we meet this week experience your love and your light radiating from us. God, help us to be more and more like Jesus. We can't do this on our own, but with you, all things are possible. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us your power and your love. And God, we pray all this in the powerful name of your son, Jesus. Let's all say together, amen.